Now that Thanksgiving is behind us, it's time to start spending money on Christmas gifts. Or if you're handy, it's time to start knitting that homemade oven mitt or the sweater for that special someone, the one with the goose on it that he's always dreamed of. (laughs) Who loves Christmas gifts? Do you? Yeah, I'm going to need a little feedback this morning, all right? Do you love Christmas gifts? They're great. How many couples here have had their worst fight of all on Christmas Eve over wrapping presents? Would someone admit it? Yes. How about getting in trouble for spending too much? Has that happened to you? How about getting in trouble for spending too little? You exchange gifts with a friend, you buy them something for 20, and they get you something that makes you feel guilty. Parents, how many of you have seen the worst come out in your kids because of gifts, right? The ugliest greed that could ever be seen. Manipulation, deception. Anyone ever catch their children sneaking into the closet, finding the gifts, unwrapping them, playing with them, wrapping them back up badly, and then claiming not to have seen them? Has that happened? Show of hands, how many of you have re-gifted? Re-gifted, right, to seem more generous than you actually are, pretending to be thoughtful. I forgot a gift for someone. My wife, Michelle, uh, was a teacher that year. She received six fruit baskets from her class. And so this, we had a work party. I decided to pass one of those fruit baskets on to someone I worked with. It seemed only fitting. A few days later, a gushing letter of thanks comes from her for our extreme generosity. Turns out there was 250 bucks tucked away in that gift basket. (laughs) Yeah. It happened. (laughs) When we are kids... When we're young, at Christmas, we're mostly dreaming about what we'll receive. And then when we grow up, we're mostly stressing about what we're going to give. Does that seem right? Right. And there's nothing wrong at all with having uh, things that you want, just as there's nothing wrong at all with giving good things to others. But in thinking about Christmas, it strikes me that it is such a shift to imagine that the most important thing is either what I get or what I give to the people around me to quote Michael Scott in such a way that I show them how much I care. It's like this tangible thing that you can point to and say, hey man, I love you this many dollars worth. Giving gifts is great and there can be joy in it and beauty as well. And I hope that this season you find just the right gift to give to someone that shows them you love them. And I believe that Christ himself is the giver of great gifts. So it's Christ-like to find just the right thing and give it. But here's the danger. The danger that we can so easily slide into is forgetting what Christmas is all about because of the center of gravity which our culture and our world and everything around us wants to drag us into, which is buying things for other people that we know. Uh, and what we need is a lesson that many of us learned about Christmas when we were little kids. We have to come back to that. It's the lesson that you probably learned when you were like seven years old about what Christmas is. I have a friend who teaches second grade in town here. And every year he has um, a practice where in December he'll send an email to all of the parents and he'll invite them to attend the class one of the weeks in December to, to share with the rest of the students what their holiday traditions are. And there are folks who come from various religious 
backgrounds will come in, and there are some non-religious traditions that will happen every year. One year, a woman came in, and she had a great big cake. And she explained to my friend, the teacher, and all of the students that at Christmas, it's their family's tradition to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then she showed them, this is a birthday cake for Jesus. And then she asked my friend, can we sing happy birthday to Jesus as a class? That's what we do in my, my family. And so he said, yes, you can. And he lost his job. No, he didn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it wasn't him. It was the mom. But they sang happy birthday to Jesus. And <laughs> it's only because I'm wearing a goose sweater. Usually I'm so serious. Uh, <laughs> here it is. This is simple. And I want the message to be simple this morning. Uh, Christmas is the time when we celebrate Jesus' birthday. And at birthdays, you give a gift to the person whose birthday you're celebrating. And of course, Jesus is so magnificently benevolent that the great gift for him is for you to give good things to others. And that's true, isn't it? But listen, we should not let that drag our attention away from the truth that's right beside it, which Jesus also still wants us to give him something. He does. We can sing Christmas carols about how we are so poor and broken that we can't give him anything. And of course, that in one, on one level is true. But it shouldn't keep us from the, the truth beside it that God has made us in such a way that we have agency, that we make a difference in the world. We do. You all do. You made a difference this morning, and you'll make a difference this afternoon. And the question that as mature adults, especially mature adults who are trying to follow after Jesus, and by the way, even young people can ask this, is what will I choose to do this season to give a gift to Jesus? And you can and should ask that. Now, let me offer a word of caution. This is extremely important. With Jesus, there is no giving him something which will convince him to love you which if he hadn't received from you, then he would withhold his grace from you. That's not how it works with Jesus. Uh, this is critical, okay? If you've been um, with Renaissance Church for any time, I hope that one message which comes through each time I share is that your standing before God is based entirely on his grace toward you and not toward anything you give to him. I would wish that that would come through each time I share. I believe it for me. That Christian Andrews stands before God beloved and accepted and embraced because of Jesus' grace for Christian Andrews, who needs it. And I believe that for every one of you. For those of you who believe it and are confident, you don't need to come up with something good to give Jesus this season so he'll accept you. He already has. Even when you were at your worst, your very worst, God saw fit to love you and give himself for you in Jesus. There's nothing that you can do to undo that. If Christmas is about anything at all, it's about God's decision to humble himself and come into the world and be born in a manger because he loves you and he decided to give himself to you. Full stop. It's been given. Isn't that great? So you don't need to give him something in return to get him to love you. He already has. But to be an agent of his power and light, to be, as Jesus taught his disciples, they should be salt in the world, to be someone who makes a difference in the way God wants you to, to be a church altogether that becomes an increasingly strong 
instrument for good in God's hands in Summit and in the surrounding area, wherever you live. What we must ask and what I'm pressing you to ask this season is what am I going to give to Jesus? You've got your gift list for everybody else. I'm not asking you to add this on. I'm asking you to put this in front of all the others and say this season, every time you're stressed about what you're going to get for this person or that person, I want you to say, all right, you know what? Instead, I'm going to focus on the most important person this season for me to think of a gift for, and it's the one whose birthday it is after all, Jesus. What shall I give to him because he's given everything to me? Sound good? So what will you get him? In the book of Proverbs, and this has been our guide in November, we've been seeking wisdom from God in the place where God promises to give it, which is in his word. And especially in the book of Proverbs, there's a promise there which says if you lack wisdom, if you ask God, he'll help you see what you need to see. And I'm telling you, wherever you are in the whole Christianity spectrum, you can benefit from Proverbs. Uh, If you would open it and read it, you'll see wisdom there, which is good for your soul. If you know everything there is to know about faith, Go there and God will still teach you more. If you're not sure yet what you think, go there and God will give you good things. In chapter 6, there is what amounts to a window into a gift list for Jesus, okay? In chapter 6 of Proverbs, starting in verse 16 to 19, there's a list of the things which God hates, which if we turn them around, will give us a picture into the things which God loves, Okay, if we can see the things that God despises, and by the way, we don't often talk about the things that God hates, but the truth about God is because he's good, he hates things which are evil and against his goodness. And so if we look at this list of things which God hates and turn them around one at a time, we'll have a list of potential gifts for Jesus this Christmas, and there are seven of them. So usually, if you're here regularly, you usually get three points from me. Sometimes, if you're lucky, four. It's seven this morning. Wow. Here they are. I'm going to read through the list and we'll take them one at a time. Proverbs 6.16 reads like this. There are six things which the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Abomination means completely and totally and altogether against his heart and his will. They're awful to God. There are things which God despises and hates. And The writer here thinks of six, and then one more occurs. That's the last one in the list, which is especially abominable to God. What are they? Let's look at them slowly first. 17, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. God hates these things. Verse 18, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil. God hates these things. Verse 19, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and here's the abominable one, and one who sows discord in a family. One at a time, we're going to spend a little bit on each. We're going to turn them around so that you have a clear picture of what Jesus loves. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I am asking you to do this. I want to ask you to pick at least one and decide that this is what you're going to give Jesus this Christmas. Okay, if you're a note taker, get your your pen or your pencil out or your phone. 
you're going to give him one of these things. Some of you are like, one, no, come on, more than that. Okay, two or three. If you're a real overachiever, go for all seven, okay? But wait till you hear the list because this is pretty demanding. Let's take them one at a time. Let's start with the first in the list, haughty eyes. Haughty means high in the sense of elevated or self-important. Eyes that are haughty are eyes that are lifted above other people in order to look down on them. They are eyes that belong to a person who is arrogant, judgmental, self-important, and characterized by an air of superiority. God hates eyes like this, which means God loves the opposite. He loves humble eyes, which are on the lookout for how to see in others the very best rather than each and every one of their faults. Can you see already what God hates on the one hand and loves on the other? Can you see it? Yes? Eyes which are done looking for ways to criticize or find fault with those people who are all around. Eyes which search out instead the commendable qualities in others in order to lift the good things about other people which they haven't even been able to see in themselves. This is what God loves. So here's the first item on Jesus' gift list, which maybe you can give him this Christmas. It is to see the best in others. Do not think right now about people who are always looking down on you. Put them aside. It's up to them to hear God's word through what I'm sharing right now. If they're here, pray that God will open their ears and they'll stop looking down on you. If they're not here, give them a link to the message and, and have them go online and say, pay attention to point one. You're so superior. But you, you might, some of you might in this season choose to give Jesus the gift of looking at your child and telling them the good things that you see in them. Or in coming beside a dear friend who's a mess and say, look, I know all these other bad things, but here are some things I see in you which are good. And see those things and tell them. Write a note, send a message, talk to them face to face. That's gift number one. It's, a, it's already off to a good start, this list, isn't it? Here's uh, the second thing which God hates, a lying tongue. We all know that you shouldn't lie, but we all do it more than we realize. We lie about how many cookies we're going to eat today. We lie about how much exercise we're going to do. We lie about how much time we spend cruising around on the internet. We lie about how many more pool games we're going to play at our friend's house before we come back home. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> we lie to the people who are close to us and to ourselves much more than we admit. You tell your friends that you're fine when you are not fine. You tell the people around you that you're sorry when you're not really sorry. You make promises to your kids that you're not going to keep and you know it. You tell yourself that you're going to be more generous once you get stable, that you're going to give more money away once this next thing is managed. You tell yourself that you're trying harder than you really are. You tell yourself that you're not able to make that much of a difference anyway. You tell yourself that you're not really that important in the whole scheme of things. You tell yourself that you can't actually make that much of a difference in the world after all. And all of it, all of those things, they're lies through and through. And God, listen, God hates lies. And he hates lies because the, the lie is actually bad for you. 
and the lie is bad for the world around you, and because God loves you and the world around you more than you can know, he hates lies for that very reason. So what he wants you to do is to tell the truth. And this is a second gift you can give to Jesus this season. This Christmas, you can work at identifying the patterns where you either are being deceptive to the people around you or to yourself and make a decision. I'm done lying to myself or others about that. I promise you that if you do that, it will be good for you. And it will be good for others, even if in the short term it causes some challenge. But this is a second gift which you could give to Jesus on his birthday. You could decide to tell the truth. That's gift idea number two. Let's look at gift uh, idea number three. Here's a third thing that, uh, that God hates. Hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, throughout the prophets, those who know the Bible well will know that one of the themes which comes up over and over again is how much God hates when people who have power use it to harm people who don't have any power. God hates it when the strong oppress the weak. When those who are privileged use their privilege to press down and harm those who are innocent, God hates that because God loves peace. There are a few things that are more disliked, but not many, uh, by God than when the strong come against the innocent to harm them. Now, if we turn this all the way around uh, to discover what God loves, what Jesus would like from you, uh, the opposite of harming the innocent would be healing the guilty. And so this Christmas, I wonder if you have someone in your life who's guilty in respect of you, who's done something wrong and deserves something bad to come to them. Can you feel it right now? Can you think of it? Don't be holier than thou. You play movies in your mind of something bad happening to that person, don't you? The little revenge films, you star in them, you direct them. If God hates hands that shed innocent blood, if God hates when you use your power to harm someone who's innocent, he loves when you use your power to heal someone who's guilty. And the best way to do that is to forgive someone. And that also would be a great gift that you could give to Jesus for his birthday. You could think of someone in your life who doesn't deserve it. Someone who's done the wrong thing and they haven't apologized appropriately, they don't show any remorse, and you could decide this Christmas to forgive them and actually write a note to them, unbidden. Hey, I want you to know, you don't even see how much harm, but I forgive. And you might think that this seems overboard. This is benevolence that is absurd. And if you think that, can I remind you as your pastor that your standing before God and my standing before God is based through and through on benevolence from God, which is strictly speaking absurd? He's forgiven me while I was yet his enemy. Christ died for me and he forgave me. And Paul says it with perfect clarity. Forgive one another just as God has forgiven you in Christ. So also you should forgive one another. This would be a beloved thing. God loves it when we forgive others. He loves that. And you can do that this Christmas and that would be perhaps your gift to him uh, this season. That, that's number three. We've still got four more to go. Look, there's a lot of good gifts here. Let's keep moving. Number four. Here's the fourth thing which God hates. God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. I suppose I don't need to dwell on this, but most of us know from inside what it's like to have a heart that impulsively 
strategizes how to harm others. We don't like to admit this or talk about it. We much prefer pointing to the drastic stories in the news where someone does something that is so evil and wicked that it makes us feel relatively good about our own inclinations in that direction. But the truth about God is because his grace is for all, every single scheme and plan that we hatch in our minds which are ill will organized toward the detriment of others. God hates that. So the opposite, which would be a gift to Jesus, would be to plan something kind. And by the way, this one, this right in the heart of the list, this one would cause you extra joy as well. Uh, Have any of you ever began to hatch a scheme to make someone happy or to do something that makes them more confident than they've ever felt Uh, or, or to heal some hurt? and then seen it come through to fruition. Isn't that one of the best experiences that we have? And we have that because that's the way God has made us, to do good. Uh, In the letter of Hebrews, there's a a line that says, um, uh, let each one of you uh, spur one another on or um, strategize, plan for how to make love and good deeds grow in the world around you. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, it's beautiful for us if we do that. It's beautiful for others. But it would be a gift to Jesus if you began to plan something kind. Uh, and you've got time now. And this doesn't have to be something you buy in the store. Probably it will be hard to purchase this. But there is some path before you where for your child or your friend or your parents or your work associate where you can begin to strategize on some good deed. And if you did it, Jesus would love it, and that would be a great gift to him. Two more. Uh, Oh, no, three more. Sorry. Yeah, three more. The fifth in the list. Feet that hurry to run to evil. Uh, This is an image of someone who's not even thinking about it, but impulsively rushes toward cruelty and malice, driven by passions to follow the wrong path without even thinking about it. Someone who instinctively goes in the wrong direction quickly as if by habit, habit, rushing into wrong. Am I right that very few of us in here will have that in our experience? Yes or no? Yeah, mostly we don't do that. But the opposite, which God loves, is something which also most of us don't do. Think of this now. We mostly are impulsive in our actions, whether ill or good, right? You're caught off guard and you do something generous and then you feel great, but then you forget about it. But here, turn this image around and it's not running toward doing the right thing, but it would be to walk toward goodness. Uh, One of the most widespread and I think exceptionally helpful images in in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, is the image of life as a journey where we walk. Uh, We don't often think of this, but the outcome of our existence happens one step at a time, one day after another. Not all at once, but through the steady accumulation of the decisions we make one day at a time. And here would be another great gift for you to give to God. It would not be to rush off and just do something good impulsively, but to get on a path where one day after another you walk each day toward what is good. I want to be very practical here. Um, Maybe for you, it will be after this message to start each day between now and Christmas Day 
disciplining yourself to pray. Um, I know a lot of us pray when things get really bad and then when things are good, we forget about it. But what if you decided each and every single morning this month to pray? Get a journal, write down December 1, and, and then even write out a prayer. Can I see a show of hands? Are there any people in here who write down their prayers to keep themselves disciplined for it? I see a number of hands. I do this each day, and without it, I will lose the, the discipline. So walk toward goodness. Do that each day. Here's another thing. Beside that, you can add to your prayer the listening to God's word by reading through the book of Proverbs this month. And, and it's perfectly organized for that. On December 1, you can read chapter 1 of Proverbs. And then December 2, chapter 2, and I forget, are there 31 days in December? People are like, what's wrong with you? I just never learned that stuff. That's facts that other people know. <laughs> so on the 31st of the month, you finish the book out. And do that each day, and you'll be walking toward goodness, and it will be the opposite of hurrying off toward evil. And that will be a gift to Jesus. Now, now two more. Uh, the sixth in the list of what God hates. A lying witness who testifies falsely. Uh, at first, this might sound like a repeat of the second one in the list. Does anybody remember what the second one was? Go ahead, show off here. A lying tongue. This is not the same. A false witness, uh, excuse me, a lying witness who testifies falsely evokes an image of a courtroom. Get this in your mind. Uh, there's the bench with the judge and the prosecuting attorney and there's the jury and they're responsible for producing a verdict and this system was in place even far back in these days. And now here comes a witness and really everything depends upon the testimony that he provides. Okay? Imagine that that person is a liar and a good one. They're deceptive and they're good at it. He's persuasive enough to sway the jury, which will mean injustice for the accused person. It will mean someone who doesn't deserve it has to suffer wrong because of deception. Does that get in, under anyone else's skin when that happens? It does mine too. Can I tell you that God hates it more than you do? I mean, really, think about the worst twisting of justice. And how that galls you when an innocent person has to suffer because someone is deceitful and twists it, or a system is rigged, or there's an agenda in a party or a large gathering that has influence and power because of their money or their connections, and it twists justice and turns it against a person who deserves what is fair. Don't you despise that? God hates that, and that's what this image is about. It's about justice. God hates when justice is twisted, and that means you could give a gift to Jesus this Christmas by choosing to do this, work for justice. There are plenty of injustices right now all around us that are affecting people who don't have power or, con or connections. They don't have the social network or the background or the experience that we take for granted. And when they're suffering because of injustice, because of a liar, because of a system that's rigged against them. God despises it. And so if we would work for justice, he loves it. And someone in here, this inspires you, and this is the gift that Jesus is waiting for you to give this season, to work for justice. It may be that you're in junior high, and you see that 
the way that the school is set up is unfair against this group of kids. You go and change it. Uh, do that. Work for it. It may be at your office with your boss or your employees or a system there. It may be in your family. It may be in the town that you live in. Maybe you're going to go and run for office and make a difference politically. Whatever it is, you work for justice, and that is a gift to Jesus. Here's the last one. This one's the last in the list, and I believe it corresponds with that which God calls an abomination because of all of the things in the list, it's the most corrosive to human flourishing. God hates and despises one who sows discord in a family. It just seems so down to earth and at home. And, and all around us, don't we see families where there's someone who's making it harder for everyone else by sowing discord? Don't you see that? Before you get, you know, feeling proud that you also hate them and God hates them too, so he's on your side, I want you to remember deep down that God loves all of us, but this poetic image is put here to make it plain how much God values goodness in family. And I pause here because I know how much hurt and pain and misery is brought into the world when, when families fail. This is a metaphor. It's quite an interesting metaphor. Sowing is an agricultural term. It means planting a seed in the ground which doesn't show its effects for an entire season. And that happens in families. Some cruelty, some careless word sometimes, some mismanaged pain or guilt. And not for a long time does the fruit grow up, but it will. And then the other side of this metaphor is discord. That's a musical metaphor. When you have two notes that don't fit together, they clash with each other. Uh, when a musician... Uh, plays a note that's out of key and it makes your spine hurt. Have you experienced that? That's what this author has in mind here. And here God is saying, when there's a person who's at work to make the music ugly and repulsive within the family unit. And by the way, God invites us to see ourselves as members of his family together. So this goes for churches too, communities of faith and brothers and sisters in Christ. God it's an abomination to him when people are at work to split up and cause problems and pain, which means here's the last gift that you can choose to give to Jesus this Christmas. It is to make harmony at home. And here I've intentionally chosen a musical metaphor with harmony. A harmony is beautiful, isn't it? It's not everyone singing the same note. God has given us different voices on purpose. He loves when we are who he's made us to be. And he loves when we open our mouths in joy and sing as we are. Which means he doesn't want us trying to make the people around us into people who are different than they are. He doesn't want that. Of course, parents still need to guide their children into what is right, of course. But, but what is right is is to follow the path that God has uniquely designed for your kids, for your friends, for your spouse, for the people around you. This is an invitation to stop trying to make everyone around you conform and different, but rather to let them be and then to sing alongside them in a note that blends well and to work at that in your home. And that would also be a gift to Jesus, maybe the best one. So now think about your mom or your dad your brother or your sister, 
uh, your children if you have them. Um, if it's just you, think about the people that God has put in your life to be family with you. And now ask, how can I make harmony uh, this season with them? And this would be a gift that God would love. Now, that's the end of our list. Now listen, it's not the end of our work. I really want to come back to this. I'm challenging you directly. I'm asking you specifically to choose at least one of these gifts. Let's see all seven of them. To pick one and decide that this December, it's the one gift, or if you're ambitious, one or two or three gifts that you personally are going to give to Jesus. Not because when you give it, he'll be kindly disposed toward you, and he wouldn't be otherwise. That's nonsense. Um, through and through, his heart to you is love. Unfiltered, absolute, definitive love. He's, he's there. In response to that love, what will you do? Um, are you going to look at the family members and the friends around you and say, all right, I'm going to start making notes about the good things that I see in others and they're all going to get a message on Christmas. That's what I'm going to do. Is it that you're finally going to admit to yourself that you have a problem and you're going to tell yourself the truth? You're going to say it, I have a problem, you're going to tell someone else. Or you're going to go to that person that you've been deceiving and say, look, here's the real me. Is it that you are finally going to let go of the resentment and forgive that person who wronged you, even though they haven't said, you know, please, um, I made a mistake. Are you going to forgive with grace like Christ forgives you? Are you going to finally start imagining not the revenge that you're going to give to that bad person, but some unexpected kindness that you're going to do for them and then do it, maybe even anonymously this season? Is it that you're going to um, wake up tomorrow morning a bit early and pray and read and pray and read, and pray, and read, and little by little become a person who knows God's word and who God hears from more regularly? Is it that you are going to finally stop complaining about the injustices in the world and get to work doing something about it? And if it's too big a problem for you, maybe gather a few others from Renaissance Church and say, hey, let's fight this thing together. Look at all of us that God has put together. Let's do it. Is it going to be that you're going to become a more adept musician at home, weaving together this discord and finally bringing some harmony so that the gift that you give to Jesus causes his heart to leap as he sees you loving each other? To receive the gift of Christ's love for you, and this is the last word I'm going to give you, is always to turn and seek the path of loving him in response, seeking to give him what he loves in response to the love that he's given to you. Remember that Christmas is Jesus' birthday and give him what you can. Let's pray together. God, we love you and thank you for the gift of this time with each other, the opportunity to think carefully about what you love and then to put our hearts and our minds on the path of giving gifts uh, to you in this season. We thank you that you've given us yourself and everything and therefore we ask simply that you'd inspire us to love you well in return and we ask for this in Jesus' name, amen.